0: so glad you're here this morning, and uh, I got this on, yep, green light, I'm good to go, and uh, I hope you've been praying, I hope you do, let me encourage you before we jump, jump right into the message here, uh, I hope you pray for Sundays, I hope you do, uh, I hope you're praying that the Lord will work in your heart as you come. May, may the Lord be working your heart in the days ahead. And I know I was praying uh, this week uh, for Sunday. I, I'm pretty sure I do that every week. And looking forward to uh, fellowship and time together with God's people. But most importantly, is that the Word of God be preached and your life be changed by God's Word. And uh, my word, if you're changed because of my word, it's not going to last. You changed by God's word, that's eternal. And uh, you need God's word. Take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse number 35. (coughs) And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? And they said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one, on thy right hand, And the other on thy left, in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and baptize a baptism that I baptize with all, shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to be given, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called on them to him and saith unto him, Ye know that which are counted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister." And whosoever you will be the chiefest shall be a servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for another time to be in your house. Lord, I pray that we would be focused, Lord, on your word. Lord, calm our hearts and minds. Let us put aside the things that need to be done later today or even tomorrow. But let's just focus on your word. Lord, help us to serve. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. The title of my message is The High Cost of fin- F- Finishing First. The High Cost of Finishing First. I read of a story this week of a, of a rice farmer who saved his entire village from destruction. He had a, he had the best plot on a bit of a hill in his town and he felt an earthquake one morning. And then he saw in the distance the ocean swiftly withdrawing from the shoreline. Classic sign of a coming tidal wave. And down there in the valley below, On that coastal plain, he could see his other friends, farmers, working the rice fields down there. And he knew they soon would be flooded. It would be overwhelmed. And he he knew he could not run down there fast enough and get everyone back up. So the only thing he had that he could think of was to torch his crop. He lit fire to his uh, rice barns that were tender dry. And soon his neighbors who were in the valley below saw the smoke and they came running to help him. And when they got there, they realized that they, he indeed had saved all of them. In a flash, they knew that they weren't the ones saving him. They, they were saved by him. They, they, he saved them. And they later erected a monument to his memory bearing the motto, He gave us all he had and gave it gladly. That poor farmer finished first in the eyes of the community, but it cost him everything he had, didn't it? He didn't have anything left. It was all burnt to the ground. And there are many people in our world, sorry, there are not many people in the world who would do what that farmer did. He willingly sacrificed all that he had so that others could succeed, that others could go on. Most people do everything they can to better themselves, Thinking of nothing of people, they stomp on and step on to get to the top of the heap. I mean, I've heard some crazy stories, and it's just the mindset. And this scripture is designed to teach us the truth that not everyone who finishes first is victorious. You might say, "Well, that doesn't sound right." No, because the world will never preach that. You realize there are 7.2 billion people in the world. We all can't be first. There's no way. The reality is that with the Lord, it's just doing what He wants us to do. That's where we're being successful, amen? Doing what God would have for us. Sometimes those who take the last seat, those who are willing to finish last, they're the real winners in life. And that goes contrary to everything that you'll overhear on television, in the media, and the the world system. No, because it's all about serving, amen? It's about serving. And, And in this a piece of the gospel, the Lord really sets it out for his men that they need to humble themselves. It's not about promoting themselves. And on several occasions, Jesus combats their mentality to say, this is not what it's about. It's not about you being the top dog. It's not about being the head honcho. And they never quite got the message. And in this passage, we really see that self-ambition rear its ugly head again. In a horrible way. And and James and John come to Jesus asking for the premier seats in the kingdom. And Jesus uses the event to teach them about service. Teach them about leadership. Verses 35 to 40, we see a self-centered request. Self-centered request. James and John approach him in verse 35 and (laughs) they ask for the best seats. He approached Jesus asking them to be allowed to sit with him in the highest positions of his coming kingdom. Uh, Verse 37, one on thy right and the other on the left in thy glory. The right hand seat was reserved for a person who was second in rank and then the left for the third in rank. So these disciples, they wanted their position to be public and they wanted to be permanent. Hey, look at us. James and John the two best guys that the Lord ever chose they wanted the glory and the honor that came to be elevated to that throne what they and they wanted uh, Jesus to choose it now and make it official and, and these men wanted this great authority and you wonder why why would they ask for that that's pretty bold isn't it i mean that's really bold To come to Jesus asking for that. Well, I think part of it has to do that back in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus tells his men of power and position in the kingdom, coming kingdom, and he makes a promise to them that they would serve with him. The problem is they didn't understand when the kingdom was coming. They thought it was right now. They thought it was right now. And so that's why they're asking, Lord, give us this. So these men never grasped the idea that their leader, Jesus Christ, was headed to the cross right now. And This is right after verses 33 and 34 where Jesus tells them what's going to happen to him as he goes to Jerusalem. And right after that, they're like, hey, Jesus, can we have the right and left hand seats? You see where they're missing some things? They didn't get the message that Jesus was bringing across. They All they could see was the crown. They wanted the crown without the cross. That's what they wanted. They wanted the glory without the pain. They wanted the reward without having to pay a price. And most people are not concerned this morning about the glory of God. Sadly, there's a lot of Christians who could care less about it. All they care about is finishing first. All they care about is their own power, their own position. The problem with the disciples and the problem with many of us, and we always have to be guarding our heart against this, the problem is pride. Pride's the problem. We do, who likes to be a base? No one likes that. We like to be lifted up, but you know, pride always leads to defeat. Pride fools to say, "Hey, if if you act better, you'll you'll be you'll be a winner." The reality is, pride will always lead us to destruction, to defeat. That's what the Word of God says. Proverbs sixteen eight: Pride go before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Don't uh, don't fall into the trap of the world's thinking that I got to be number one. You be what God wants you to be. And if you're doing what God wants you to do, you're doing what God. You're in the right place, folks. You're in the middle of His will, doing what He's called you to do. You're right where you need to. You're having success in your life. You say, "Well, Pastor, I don't see much happening. I don't see this. I don't see that." Hey, at the end of the day, when eternity comes, God says, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant." Then you'll know, right? Get it right today. Make sure you're serving. Make sure you're right where you need to be. I read this statement this week. And I'm telling you, it really struck me right between the eyes. It's a great statement. What if God gets more glory from me finishing last than finishing first? Let me read it again. What if God gets more glory from my finishing last than finishing first? Because we're all focused on being first. Hey, Maybe God will get more if I'm doing my best and I'm last. People say, listen, he's still finished. To God be the glory. Hey, let, let's just be focused on doing what God has for us. A humble spirit. I'll be honest, when I read that statement, I was a little bit humbled. Just to think about it. A humble spirit will prevent so many failures in our life, won't it? Well, so many setups that we set ourselves up thinking we're so great when we're not. Be humble. Have a humble spirit. James and John did not demonstrate that there this day. Their response in in verse number uh the response, sorry, from Jesus in verse 38, you know what ye ask? Can you drink of the cup that I drink of? Be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said to him, We can. And they didn't even think about it, It just, yeah, we can. He responds by telling them they have no idea what they're asking for. Have you ever gone up to the uh ATM, maybe if you're a little bit older, your kids are growing up, you haven't done this. But this happened to me. I pulled up the ATM, getting a few bucks out. And one of my kids like, hey, Dad, can you get a thousand bucks out for me? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you, you just press the buttons, make it come out. Doesn't work that way. Well, how's it work? You know, they don't understand the concept, right? You know, if anything, they'd be like, Pull down out my window. I'm going to take some out myself too, Dad. You know, they don't understand. And so, in you know, those situations, you shake your head like, "No, I'll, you know, I'll teach you later about that. You know, let's let's go get the groceries now or whatever." You know, these guys are kind of like the kids in the back seat asking for cash from the ATM. They don't understand what they're asking for. They don't have any idea. And he confronts them and says, "Are you willing to experience what I'm what I'm about to endure?" "Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can." You know, the word cup here refers to a life experience, not like a literal teacup or anything. It's life experience. And the word baptism is referring to being submerged or immersed in that experience. The disciples tell him that, yeah, we can. But they don't even understand what they're saying they can do. Their response reveals a complete lack of understanding of what Jesus is about to suffer and the load he's about to carry. Jesus is on the way to the cross. He's on the way to bear the sins of his people on a cross, a Roman cross. Jesus is about to experience the undiluted wrath of God against sin and sinners. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For it made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made righteousness of God in him. So, you know, they answer him, yeah, we can. And Jesus said unto them, He shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. With the baptism that I'm baptized with all shall ye be baptized. Put the sin on my right hand and on my left it is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. Jesus tells them they will experience anguish. They will. They'll, to a degree, they'll die for the faith. All would die a martyr's death except for John and he was exiled to Patmos and that was no fun time. He was greatly persecuted for the faith. <clears throat> these men would walk the same road that Jesus walked, but they would never endure the suffering that Jesus would. They wouldn't. And Jesus tells them the position of the kingdom could not be given out based on selfish ambition. But that happens according to the will of God. And that's true in our lives. When a person receives, uh, uh, in this world, it's in, it's in terms of the blessings and usefulness in the ministry, they're from the hand of God, Amen. You know, last 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 year when Pastor Teasun stood in, uh, in this pulpit and told you folks that you know the Lord was calling him on, that was the hand of God moving him to a different ministry, right? And then a few weeks later, and then in September when you have uh, called me to be the pastor, that was the hand of God. I didn't manipulate anything. I want God's hand to be in it, Amen. And that's the idea that God moves, and the reality in your life is this is the hand of God is He's moving in your life. And if we're trying to make it happen, we're going to get ourselves in big trouble. Let God move. Let God direct. Follow His will. Follow what He has for you. Uh, A somber pronouncement here in verse number 41. And then the ten heard it. And they became to be much displeased with James and John. So, (laughs) James and John, I don't know if... I would think Jesus is in the front. He's leading, and that's what we saw last week. He And he was leading these men. They're, he's probably at the front, and James and John kind of hustle up next to Jesus, and they ask for this, the first, you know, the right and the left hand seats. And they be very much displeased. That means they became angry. Okay, that's what that means. And they were angry because these fellows were trying to promote themselves or the rest of them. And I don't doubt that they were angry that they didn't think about it first. Because they're human just like me and you. And they were like, oh, I can't believe that. and Oh, I hope Jesus says no to them because I know he'll say yes to me. I don't doubt that meant through some of their minds. Now, whatever the reason, reason that James and Job would do it and they didn't think it, whatever other reason, they were mad. They were mad now. And their reaction to what James and John did is no better than what the request that James and John made. Because their anger is not because of anything else but jealousy and pride in their life. The ten heard it and they became angry. <clears throat> Have you ever noticed that the people don't always act like the way we think that we sh- they should act? Like things happen, you're like, why were they acting like that? That's so inappropriate. The reality is we all are like that, aren't we? There's things that happen and we're like, you shouldn't act like that. And I mean, I could tell you story upon story of in 20 years of ministry and when I'm trying to help people and, and they act in ways that I'm like, am I in a different world? This is not the way you're supposed to act, folks. And, and we're not talking about kids in a nursery taking other kids as squeaky box toys. I mean, we're talking about real life. I mean, these are adults. These are people older than me, and they, they're the ones who probably taught me. They're old enough to teach me in Sunday school, and they're acting like kids. Actually, my kids don't act that bad. You know, and I, I found a lot of times it has to do with money, control, and things. That's when people really get skewed in how they should act. But at any rate, uh, when, when we get off, when we're off kilter a little bit, it's easy to become offended. Or I'm offended by that person. Did you know what they did? You ever notice when we get offended that we get a little, a little high society in our voice, you know? <laughs> Do you know what they did to me? And it's so easy when we get offended to swallow anger. There's other times we'll No, oh, I can't be angry at that. The Lord would never want me to do that. But once we get that offended, when that wall's knocked down, it's so easy to swallow being angry. And people who get offended and get angry. Boy, they don't take long then to hold a grudge. It's almost—it's a—it's the fruit, right, of anger. And we'll put on a front of righteousness. Oh, I'm in church. I'm a good person. And you see that person walk by and run. And you're like, man, you got a problem. You gotta get that taken care of. Man, so you're, you're put on a front of righteousness, but within your heart, there's nothing but unforgiveness. And let me remind you that God cannot work in a heart environment like that. You have to get it right with that person. You gotta take care of it with whoever it is. Get it right. When there's a problem between The saints of God, it hinders the work of God, and folks, there can never be unity in the church if there's saints doing this. It's not possible. A church will be affected. God's will is for us to have absolute forgiveness. Be kind one to another, hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And no, I don't know of any situation in our church right now, so don't think that pastor found out something and is preaching about it. I don't know. I don't, all I know is that this is the next portion of Scripture that I was preaching from in the book of Mark, and this is what I was talking about. Amen? And so we need to be reminded once again that we need to be forgiving one another. I mean, I don't know what's going on in everybody's heart. I don't know what's happening in your life. But folks, if we're not forgiven, don't expect God to bless Because we're not acting like God. We're not, we're not having that same characteristics. The Lord wants us to forgive and move on because that's the heart that He has. I mean, don't be holding hurt feelings over something that happened last month or last year or last decade. Move on. Move on. Don't stay there. The worst place for you to live is the past. Move forward with Jesus Christ. Move forward with Him. And if you know there's hard feelings, and if you know that the heart is hurting, hey, get it right with the person. Get it right with God. And, you know, we need to be making sure that we're right with each other. If we have this relationship right, though, getting these relationships right is easy. I shouldn't say easy. Easier. Hey, let's make sure this relationship is right between you and the Lord. And then you'll see power in the house. Then you'll see your life changed. Then you'll see different things take place, good things that you need to be doing for the Lord Jesus Christ. You you can't have that unforgiven heart and move forward with the Lord. You can't. Examination, verse 42, and Jesus called them, and know ye that ye are accounted to rule over the Gentiles, exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. Now, Jesus doesn't allow. So Jesus sees, I mean, I don't, the words aren't recorded, I'm sure. There's definitely... uh Communication taking place. Have you ever noticed when people are mad at you that they never smile at you? They're giving you frowns or they won't even look at you or scowls or it's a form of communication, right? You know, words are not the only form of communication. Actually, it's been recorded that communication is only like 9% of the words. The rest of it is your body language and how you say the word. It's just not the word. It's the way you say it. Like, okay, thanks, honey, or okay, thanks, honey. So which one do you think was the nice one? The first one. It's, uh, that's all part of it. So these guys are communicating; they're saying something, and Jesus doesn't allow their anger to simmer. He adjusts, the, adjust, uh, addresses the issue at hand, and calls their attention to the Gentiles that are around them. He lets them know that this—that their way of, you know, seeking the high seat, the way of grabbing power, the way of ruling and, uh, and opposing uh, their opponents and oppressing them. That's not the way the Lord does it. And listen, those things are happening today, too. Uh, our, our man has not evolved to something greater than what was going on the day of Jesus. You know, there's still that going on. The sad thing is that that uh, that grabbing power, that saying, I'm in charge, sadly happens in the church, too. You know, there's people like Diophages and, and, and 3 John who think they should run the show and have all the authority and, and tell people what to do. Listen, folks, the only person in this room who's going to give account for this church is me. And I'll be honest, it keeps me awake sometimes that night. I'll give account for how this church goes, what direction it happens, what we do. It all comes back to me. I have to be honest, sometimes it was nicer when I said, okay, Pastor T, what are we going to do? <sighs> It was easy to pass the buck up but now the buck stops here. I have to give account. I I'm, I'm the under shepherd for this church. The true shepherd, amen, Jesus Christ, I'm accountable to him. So don't ever take upon yourself the reality that I have to change and I'm you know, I want I understand you want the best for our church. I totally understand. I appreciate that. That's I want that spirit in everybody, but at the end of the day, I'm the one who gives account. I'm the one and we need to understand that it's, it's nothing about usurping authority. It's all about doing what God has laid out for us. God has laid out a pattern for us. We need to follow it and see and watch what the Lord will do. Amen? That's what we need to do. And he, Jesus is instructing his, uh, his the folks here, the disciples, uh, that, you know, I have a plan. I have a, I have a better plan than what the Gentiles do. And it's, it's best for the church. Verse 43 but so shall it be among you. But whosoever shall be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. In these verses, Jesus simply reinstates teachings he had done earlier in Mark chapter 9. Verses 33-37. to We looked at it. I remember preaching about it not too long ago. But they didn't get the message the first time. Had that ever happened to you you didn't get the message the first time? It's happened to me. I mean, I'm talking about in the physical realm and minor things, and I didn't get the message sometimes in the spiritual realm the first time either. And he's laying it out there again. The Lord wants to know that the path to the top leads to the bottom. you got to be at the bottom to get to the top. If you really want to reach the top, you must start at the bottom. If you want to be a leader, you need to serve. And I'm telling you right now, folks, I... I am 110% behind this portion. I should be behind every one of them, right? I should be, and I need to be. But I know this principle to be so true. Because I've seen leaders who don't do it this way, and they it's a mess. And then I see leaders who do it this way, and boy, the Lord blesses. Hey, we're servants, folks. We're to serve. And Jesus used two words here of note in these verses. In verse 43, he talks about minister, uh, shall be your minister. That, that idea gives us the word of deacon. Deacon, I mean, and that speaks of serving others. And the other word here in verse 44 says, servant, shall be servant of all. You know what that word means? It means slave. Slave. The idea here... If we want to be recognized and respected, we must give up all self-ambition and all selfishness. We must live out our days serving others. It means that we're willing to get none of the glory. Who cares about the glory? It means being willing to do the most servile and menial tasks with no thought of hearing this. Or getting a pat in the back and hear the thank you. We just say, I want to serve. I just want to serve. I want to serve Jesus. I don't care if anybody else knows about it. I just want to serve him. Back in that portion of Mark chapter 9, Jesus used used children to teach about service. And he did that for a few reasons. One, the children in that age was at the bottom of the social ladder. They were viewed as property and largely ignored by most adults. And second, Jesus used children to teach his disciples about service because children really can't do anything for adults, can they? You say, "Yeah, they do." They cause me lots of trouble. Well, yeah, that's true, but that's about all. <laughs> you know, a, a child can't, uh, could not, especially in that day, could not enhance that person's position in society. <coughs> Excuse me. A child does not add, add you to your success. Uh, a, a child does not help you at work. Think about it. Every parent in this room knows what happens when you have a new baby. Do you want to think about it again? For those who don't have babies, man, it was holding that little one. What's going on? Smells here, honey. That only worked about twice. Now and then the crying at the most obscure hours of the night. What's with 133 crying? What's with that? You know, they need, they demand everything, don't they? Yesterday, I driving around with my little niece. She likes me from a distance. If we're this far away, she smiles at me. I get too close and the lips, stay away. She doesn't say that, but she's thinking it. <coughs> and we were bringing her around and she didn't like that car seat we put her in. Now, Uncle and Dad may not have done it right, but she was in a seat and said she was secure. But she was telling us, I don't like this. Now, she wasn't very nice about it either. I mean, she was crying. She was screeching. You know, I had to put the windows down make sure she didn't break the glass. You understand, they demand everything, right? They, they, they can't do it for themselves. And from one day to the next, we're serving them and and their needs must be met by a willing adult. Sometimes you're like, I'm not really willing, but it's my responsibility. You know, They they need it because they can't do it on their own. Children come into a house and they require constant care and attention. And if they're ignored, they let you know in loud and irritating ways they're being ignored. And they need something. Now, this is a free bit of advice. When you don't hear them, be very afraid. <laughs> you need to be hearing them, because if you don't hear them, they're getting ready to do trouble, or they are in trouble. Because after they've done the trouble, then the crying starts. So, at any rate, that's a free bit of advice for me. Learned for me. You've got to be hearing them. When parents have children, they learn all about giving and service, don't you? You learn about it real quick. I mean, all those parenting classes, they go out the window. I mean, I'd say you shouldn't take them, but it, it's real life here, folks. This is not theory anymore. You know, you're in the trenches and it's stinky, smelly, and it's, there's crying, there's tears, and it, you know, you're in there and you're serving. You give, you give, and you give. You'll get an amen on that. Yeah, that's what we do. The child grows and you give and give in different ways. So now it's not like, you know, uh, I get your bottle ready, honey, and I'll take care of you, make it smell all good, and things. Now it's different age, and you still got to give and give and give. It's a little bit more expensive though. And then with the adulthood, and I'm, and I'm not there with my kids, so I can't respond to this. But I've seen parents who give and give and give and give and give in adulthood too. Does it ever stop? No, okay, there's one who says no. Okay, um, it's counseling, free counseling after service for you. But the idea is that it's all about serving, isn't it? It's serving. It's serving. And Jesus used a child because children need to be served. They can't serve us in return. And that's a lesson we need to take to heart. I've seen sadly so many times where we only want to serve those who'll return the favor to us. And that's sad. And that's wrong. We should desire just to serve. Serve whoever it is. The Lord faithfully served us, amen. And not one of us in this room has anything to offer Jesus Christ. And He came and served us. He served all mankind. He serves. He desires to be a blessing. He selflessly gives gave of Himself. If you're looking for respect, learn to serve. If you're looking for respect, learn to serve. Respect is earned. It's never demanded. It's earned. It's earned. Far too many people want to be recognized for the things they do. They want the pat in the back. They want to hear the clap. They want to hear the good job, whatever the case. And if that's what you're living for, if you're living for the clap, you're living for the good job, or you're looking for that smile from that person or whatever it is, if that's all you're looking for, you got your reward. That's so what the word of God says. And they may be seen of men. He's talking about, the Lord's time of the Pharisees who go around praying, Oh, dear Father in heaven. And they do it all loud in the courts and letting everybody see it. They walk over to the the, 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 offering box they had and clinging, clanging their, their change as they walk. They want everybody to see that they're putting this in. Well, you got your reward. You got your reward. That's what Jesus says. They may be seen of men. There they say to you, they have the reward. You know, we need people in church who could care less if they're ever recognized. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't. Because I believe there's a principle in God's Word said that we need to be thankful and we need to be appreciative of what people do. Amen? Absolutely. I gave some thanks to Pastor Matt. And he's probably feeling really embarrassed now. Now I'm preaching about this. And he's like, I wish Pastor never mentioned me. But the reality is it's good to give thanks. But I know Pastor Matt didn't go to help program, so I'd say something. He went because he wanted to serve the Lord. And serve our teenagers. And serve the church there across Point Baptist Church. We need people who can see beyond themselves and see the needs of others. We need people to be willing to become slaves and serve and minister. Because I guarantee you, if you do, you'll be noticed. Because you're different than 99% of the world. And people say, what's up with that person? Oh, yes, you'll be taken advantage, guaranteed. But there will be people out there that you'll affect for Jesus Christ. Absolutely. We need people who graciously step aside when the time is right so the others can serve. And just say, hey, I've been doing this for years. I'm going to train you and help you do this. Hey... We got. I'm so thankful for our church. we got so many people who know so many things. I'm glad to see our older folks, folks a little bit more mature of the faith, encouraging the younger ones in the faith to step up and serve Jesus Christ. That's the way it should be. Our faith shouldn't die or shouldn't fade away with the generation that goes over the next hill. Our faith should be always going to the next generation. Amen? We're passing it on. We're telling people we're serving together. A spiritual pattern... Verse number forty-five: For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give His life a ransom for many. Jesus uses His impending sacrifice as an example. We see the word "even" reminds us of who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. For even the Son of Man, He's God in the flesh. Walking on this earth. You know, he could have commanded the Legion of the Angels to come and do his bidding. He, he, he should have been, or he could have been, uh, uh born in the most beautiful palace, uh, rather than in poverty. He, he should have had the greatest men with him, but, you know, he chose these men who were sitters and different, he, he deserved so much more, but he said, this is what I'm gonna do for you. Peace, I love you. We see the passion, the Lord's passion to serve was such that he willingly took the place of a servant. We think about the day before, the night before His death. He was there at the upper room and uh, He washed His disciples' feet. He took the place of a servant. He wrapped Himself in in that towel and He he cleaned the dirty feet of the men who would soon run away from Him. And He knew it. You know, he, He washed the feet of Peter who would deny Him three times before the dawn. He washed the feet of Judas Iscariot, who would betray him to his enemies that very night. Jesus freely served those who would break his heart. The next day dawned, Jesus performed the greatest service that anyone could ever serve, and that's his death on the cross for all sinners, for all that hated him and wanted nothing to do with him. His service was his passion. His service was his life. Let us have that same passion. Let us have that same passion imprinted in our hearts. The cost of service for Jesus was extreme. cost him his very life. He went to the cross. He suffered the shame, the pain, the humiliation. So he could reach every lost individual in this world. He experienced that wrath of God to serve us. He took the place of the common criminal and was judged as uh, as a rebel, so that sinners could be saved. He willingly entered into death, so that others might have life. Wow. Wow. Why did he do it? Because he loves you. But God commanded love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He did it because he hates sin, Hebrews chapter 9. He did it to satisfy the demands of a perfect sacrifice. And he's a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. He did it to please the Father. He had it please the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. He did it to set me free. He did it to set you free. Doesn't matter your past. Doesn't matter what you're doing right now. Doesn't matter if you have money if you don't. Doesn't matter what your family situation is. Doesn't matter if you don't have parents that don't serve Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter where you are. He came to set you free. Come to Him. Come to Him. The Lord's reward is found in two places. First of all, His reward is change lives. Amen. You come to Jesus Christ, He'll set you free. He'll change your life. And Talk to people here today. Uh, I know so many of you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you will give testimony of what the Lord has done. He looked unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father. He changes life here, and in eternity is pretty amazing. Amen? Mind-blowing how great it is. But Jesus came because He came to serve humanity. God promoted Him. Let me read you Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation, and took upon Him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus was exalted because he came as a servant. Are you willing to be a servant? Are you and I willing to take that same place that Jesus occupies? We're willing to serve. We're willing to be passionate about it. We're willing to give our life to serve him. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humble himself shall be exalted. Luke chapter 18, verse 14. The Word of God also says, Humble yourselves therefore in the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. God's not going to exalt someone who has a prideful heart, who expects people to do everything for them, who expects that right-hand seat, who has a wrong attitude. God's going to exalt that person who has a humble heart and desires to serve and wants to do what's right. And is willing to get down to trenches and do what needs to be done, and doesn't care about getting the or the well done. He's doing it because he loves Jesus. That's why he's doing it. It's a bit of a paradox, isn't it? We think that in order to get to the top, we need to work our way to the top. No, we start at the bottom. Works at the bottom. Are you walking the path that God wants you to walk? Are you actively serving in ways, to, or seeking ways to serve Him? You know, I'm so thankful for our church that we can use our gifts and abilities for Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm glad that we have a church that we can do that. Are you serving Him through the local church? Are you saying, hey, I need to get involved in that ministry. I need to use my talents and gifts for Jesus. I need to be serving. You need serve in the matter of telling people about Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for June and his wife this morning. Came in and parked in my car and they were praying with Vincent. Someone else was with him too. I can't remember who now. But they were praying and then he wiped out hand note tracks. Hey, servant, amen. No, you would have never known if I didn't tell you. But he's willing to serve. Willing to be used. There's needs on every hand. The, the, are you seeking to meet them? Meet those needs. Are you being a servant of God who just selflessly serves others? Whatever the task, Lord, I'll do it. Maybe you're like the 10 and you've got some hard feelings. You know, maybe you need to get those things taken care of today. Don't let that madness become anger and, and produce grudges and jealousy. Oh, get away from that. Get it right with God. Maybe this morning you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Oh, my friend, that is the greatest decision you can ever make. He'll change you. And He came for that purpose, to change lives. Come to Him. He will not turn you away. Dear Jesus, Lord, thank You for this time we've had in Your Word. Lord, help us indeed. To be servants. Those disciples got it wrong. They had the wrong attitude. They had pride in their hearts. Same thing can happen to us. Lord, let us be honest with ourselves and with you. Help us to remove the pride if there is any. Help us to get things right with another brother and sister if things aren't right. Lord, imprinted upon our hearts the need to passionately serve others. That is Your heartbeat. Allow it to be ours as well. I pray these things in Your holy and precious name. Amen.